I was pretty excited when y'all decided to cosplay your characters for today's session, but I'm a little uncomfortable with Elliot's Barbarian. I'm not sure using carpet tape to stick dog hair onto an adult diaper counts as cosplay. Hello and welcome to another exciting and informative episode of the Grognards. I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Hawley. And I'm Greg Ziegler. Why did you laugh at my intro? <laughs> I don't know. It might be information they yeah, don't want. Too, right. too many adjectives. Yes, I suppose so. <laughs> well, we are back here in the studio. Uh, we've been doing a lot of traveling. At least two of us have been doing quite Summer a bit of Summer is here. Yeah. Um, Time is right. I was in Dallas, Not, I'm sorry, not Dallas, Texas, but in Austin, Texas, uh, visiting the Robert E. Howard Museum for Howard Days, and Eric just got back from Origins as a, well, right-hand man of sorts. Not right-hand man, but you yeah. were a stagehand. I was a volunteer. Maybe a left pinky. Yeah. <laughs> and Origins is in Columbus, Ohio, and Ohio has the singular distinction. You, like most people can name a ton of cities and towns in Ohio for no apparent reason. Hmm. Like... I mean, there's Cincinnati, Akron, Columbus. Uh, there's there's just a ton of medium sized of medium sized yeah. cities that don't really have any. I mean, I guess the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but they all but Cleveland. Each, each right? one and has a claim to fame on some level. Yeah, I get for yeah. some minor reason. Yeah. Could it be that three of the big ones all start with the letter C? Tell maybe. Maybe. I don't know. It's it confuses me, hmm. you know, and it is a swing state. So it's important for that reason, I guess. <laughs> well, it is in the media a lot when it comes time for elections and things like yeah. that. So maybe that's part of it. But that's beyond the scope of but this gonna, conversation. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. But first, let's figure out, find out what people have been doing between now and the last podcast. And that's what we call our segment Games People Play. All right, so what have you guys been up to in the last uh, couple of weeks? Well, I mean, Gen Con prep is going full-blown. I just ordered $650 worth of thermal plastic, uh -huh. uh, getting ready for my workshops. Uh, been running some D&D at the game store, but summer is always crazy because we have new people show up, and they're first level, so we have to <laughs> you know, make dudes. allowances. Yeah. So what are your plans for Gen Con and your uh, Warbler workshops? Are you still going to do the helmets and the, the yeah, dice the, chests and things like that? Well, or? the helmets for the foam. Okay. People make helmets. Oh, foam. That's right. You were using um, But foam. the Warbler, you know, it's thermal plastic, and it's an expensive material to work with, and there's still a demand. I added a fourth workshop, mm -hmm. and they're all filled up already. So Fantastic. Wow. Yeah, so um, people enjoy it. I might have to end up raising my prices just because I can't really offer anymore. So I might <laughs> try to wean out the the people who aren't that day because I still get some no shows, which is annoying because I bring the materials for twenty one people. Right, people don't show up, and when people don't show up, Gen Con keeps that money. You don't get even though they bought a ticket, and then I'm sitting here with with materials that I have to, have to haul home, and, you know, I get to reuse them in most cases, but it's still just annoying. Now, this I, think I, your... I think I slept on them last year, uh, the materials. <laughs> yeah, you might have. <laughs> this is your fourth year? Fourth year, yeah. Fourth year. Do you have people come back and doing the same workshop? Have you uh, noticed that? 
once or twice, but usually they're after me to offer a new workshop because they really like the way I do it. I, I do it like a college course. You mm -hmm. come in, you get a syllabus, you get an outline. I lecture for an hour. People can ask questions, and then they have three hours to work with the material and, and build stuff. So well, you, you lecture for only an hour? I know. I know. It's hard Surprising. To Gosh, and we're stuck with him here, and he's always lecturing us. Yeah, so. we'll see that today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Greg, what about you? Uh, just, you know, Star Wars uh, is uh, zooming along. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can't remember if uh, we played in Is it at uh, light speed? Or, uh, I think we had a zero session for the new characters. Maybe. I think that was I think that was before the last. That was before. Okay. Yeah, that was. It all I, runs I think together. it was. It kind of does. Um, yeah, because then we then we played for like a half an hour. Yeah. Afterwards, we're just and got, during got the, the drive, together. I got to think of evil, devious plans for that new campaign. So, Jesus, I, <laughs> I hope your cons are all closer because you need less time thinking about devious plans. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been. Uh, I finished my game of this war of mine, and we did not win. Not because the people died or anything like that, but um, our misery index became so high that all of the actual characters basically Wait, walked off the board a misery index are we talking about a game or real life yeah <laughs> well it is a game based on real life I guess so. and uh we were going along very well our people were not hungry they weren't sick they only had a few wounds but their misery was so it was just off the charts that in the game in the book of scripts they just left. So even <laughs> even your characters don't like hanging out with you. Yeah, that's, that's, so that's pretty bad. Uh, the players were literally like, "How do we how do we solve this? How do we solve this?" And there was nothing. We saw the end coming, and it was no way that we could fix it um, because we had not planned on allowing that little bit of happiness to creep in. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, we I've lost, lost some game. shows like that. Yeah, we, we lost that. I also got a new game, or I should not a new game, but an expansion for Memoir 44. It's called A New Flight Plan. And to backtrack a little bit, when they brought airplanes into the game, it was not well done. And this was back, oh, about five years ago. And it just really just crashed the game, no pun intended, when you brought the airplanes in. And so they reworked it. And this one is really, really nice. It's not very fiddly. And it brings a whole new aspect into the Memoir 44 game. So I'm excited about trying a, uh, a game out with that. So cool. was, that your, was that your Father's Day present? No, it wasn't. Oh. Although I did get it the day before Father's Day. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't uh, looked through it too closely yet. But mm -hmm. uh, uh, my birthday was in between the last uh, two recording sessions. And I did get the Stranger Things D&D <sighs> starter set. Yeah. yeah, so it's uh, I saw that on it, the show. It's kind of cool. So if you if you're a fan of the show, it's really it's really very cool because you yeah you get the character sheets for all of the characters on the show printed out very nicely and yeah. uh, and the illustrations in the book and now all the, are very the nice characters D and D characters or yes. the characters the, the D and D, D characters okay the, the yeah. D and D characters the characters, the characters on the show play, play. played yeah yeah we've got a whole sort of meta thing going on here yeah this is very <laughs> confusing uh, Greg if you get a chance I think. Um, Maybe last year I sent you the quick start rules for the Conan 2D20 um, role-playing game. I think I have that, yeah. Give it a read. I've been reading it the last couple of weeks, and uh, it's pretty cool. So maybe we could try a, uh, a play test or something like that. Have to crush some enemies. Mm -hmm. Yes. Drive them before you. And hear their lamentations. Only of the women, though. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Anyway, um, been pretty light in terms of games because I think we've all been way too busy to yeah. do the important stuff like gaming. Yeah. Well, and Eric's been traveling, so. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Well, uh, 
Let's wrap that up and talk about traveling. All right. Well, and, that's our segment. And where have you? Go ahead. Well, I'm trying to <laughs> give us an out. <laughs> that's our segment. Games people play. And where have you been, Eric? Well, like we were discussing, I went to Columbus, Ohio to Origins. I had never been to Origins before. So I'm a firm believer that the first time you go to a con, it's sort of a waste because you don't know what to expect. Yes. Yeah. And I especially agree. if you decide sort of late because everybody's already pre-registered, mm-hmm. all the rooms, good rooms are taken. As a moderator for the fans of Gen Con, I can kind of relate to that there are so many people wanting to post about what do i do it's my first time how do i lately and you know what do whatever the hell you want to do because no matter what you do and what you plan someone's going to look like they're having way more fun than you are and to be honest they are having more fun than you are and origin should be a little bit intimidating because i uh, another podcast i was listening to it is the third largest convention in the world isn't it it bounces between Between second and third that one uh, in germany uh um, essen essen sort of bounce i I, it's smaller than gen con Mm -hmm. for total attendance i'm thinking origins is somewhere around thirty-five thousand, but that's just a a guess okay i have no idea dean could probably look it up if he really wanted to but gen con's about sixty-five thousand origins i I think they just keep going up on each other you know yeah they leapfrog depending what year you know when uh, when one occurs it jumps up when the other one occurs it passes it it's an old very established and important convention yeah, and it's put on by, I believe, Gamma is the one who organizes it, which is a game association, yeah. something, well, And something, they've been something. around forever. Yeah, they've been around for a long time. They're, they're basically the, the game manufacturer, you know, association. I don't know what this stands for, but it's a good convention. Um, it's similar to Gen Con, but not quite the craziness that is Gen Con. It's a, you could tell it's a little smaller. Which is nice. That will be good. Um, given that, I still walked 15,000 steps a day. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know, I had my iPhone in my pocket, so I can always check that. Yeah, did you? This started back in 75. Yeah, it's an old convention. Yeah, and it's not always been in Ohio. Really? No, it started in Baltimore, Maryland, hmm. and kind of traveled throughout the country, all the way from Pennsylvania, Michigan, Texas, California, Wisconsin, Georgia, and ended up in Columbus. Yeah. And Gen Con did the same thing. I mean, mm-hmm. it went from Lake Geneva to Milwaukee to finally Indy. Didn't travel That's not that far. Yeah, it, it didn't travel <laughs> that much, but yeah. It's a line um, segment. So, Origins, good convention. But, again, first year, I didn't really want to spend a ton of money going to Origins. So, I decided it'd be a good opportunity to volunteer with True Dungeon. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if our listeners are aware of True Dungeon, but... It's on the the line that is sort of role-playing <laughs> geekdom. At one end, you have, you know, board games, and then you get to D&D. And then at the other end, you have LARPs, where you're running around, breaking a sweat, hitting people with phone weapons. Well, True Dungeon is somewhere in the middle of that. Yes, it's a little bit of role-play, a little bit of LARP, and a little bit of board gaming. Yeah, a lot of fun. So... The number one thing I tell people, if you haven't done True Dungeon, try it at least once. Um, It's not cheap, but truthfully, for what they give you, it's probably still a bargain. Uh, It's it's like putting on a theatrical production at a convention. How long of a session does a True Dungeon take? About an 
hour. There's seven rooms. You spend 12 minutes in each room, but you also have training. So hour and a half, I guess, mm-hmm. is what I would say. So it's similar to the time that you would spend in an escape room. That's exactly what I was just thinking. It's like a D&D themed escape yeah, room. Yeah, yeah. And they run with your 10 people in a group. Uh, sometimes oh. the groups are smaller if they don't sell all the tickets. Now at Gen Con, they sell all the tickets. Yeah. Gen Con, they run four tracks, which is like four theatrical productions, uh, the whole whole convention. But they also have been running at Origins, at Game Hole Con. They just did PAX South this year down in Texas. So they're expanding where they offer their True Dungeon experience. And let me just describe the experience because some people are like, what are you talking about? So you have a character. You pick a character card, and it has abilities. You're either like a fighter type, a druid. They have all the traditional classes, and it's almost a throwback to basic because you have like a wizard, then you have an elf wizard, (laughs) and you have the dwarf (laughs) fighter and, and, and the regular fighter. But I believe there's 12 or 13 different classes. Oh. Everybody, there's only one class, one of each type allowed in a 10-person party. Wow. So they put together 10-person parties, and your characters tend to be around 5th level, 4th or 5th level. Then you walk through this dungeon, and each room is totally, you know, tricked out to look like what it's supposed to be. Nice. I mean, they have walls, they have sound effects, they have lighting, they have special effects that go on depending on the room, and... The rooms are either a combat room or a puzzle room. Combat room, combat's done through a series of little sliders, like mm-hmm. one of those ski board tables yeah, or whatever. Yeah, almost like a shell. Uh, yeah, a shellboard thing where you like slide a puck, and you have to hit a picture of a monster, and you have to hit a number to hit the armor class. And that yeah. doesn't seem to have changed from my experience, which was uh, almost 10 or 11 years ago. They were still doing that. Yeah. So, okay, that's cool. And then the puzzle rooms vary. Um, I don't want to give anything away because the one I'm running, I believe they're running at Gen Con again. But years ago when I did it, they had one that was based on vacuum tubes. And you had to <laughs> route these va- – it was a steam steampunk airship and you had to save the airship. And you had to route these vacuum tubes the right way. And it was actually a vacuum system. They don't they don't skimp. It's not like somebody's going, nope, that's not right. It's, it's a vacuum system. So it's sucking and blowing and, and – um, huh. You had to, and then there's clues, and you have to figure out these clues to get around. You have a time limit, so most of the rooms are something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, a little cool. bit of intuition, a little bit of guesswork, a little bit of you know thinking through the the solution. I recall another one where it was a kind of a dexterity based thing where you had to think of it as kind of like the operation game that if you touch the side, you'd make a connection of an electrical current and you would set off an alarm or something yeah, like that. Yeah, there, well, to. that's a puzzle box. The rogues have a puzzle box. Yes, And yes. they have to trace through and, and that they can get a clue for each room. They don't have to actually pick any locks, do they? That's sort of like picking a lock. It's so a, is that, is that there's a substitute for the lock You have pick? to take a, a rod and follow it through a path, and if you touch the sides of the path, you uh, lose. Right. You don't get the clue. So it's, nice. it's simulating picking a lock. So it's interactive, but it's not as interactive as a LARP in most cases, where mm-hmm. you're running around hitting people with, with foam swords. You're more interacting with the game as opposed to other yeah. people. And some people dress up, but the majority don't. Um, the other portion of True Dungeon is you can get magic items. So when you mm-hmm. finish a run, depending how successful you are, you get tokens, which are like little poker chips. And these things are like magic cards. I mean, there are tokens that cost hundreds of dollars yes. on the open market. People wow. will buy it with real money yes. for the game to be able to play yeah. in the True Dungeon game. Yeah, and that makes your character, uh, you know, that much better. And people collect tokens for their class. Like, I'm a, I'm a rogue or a thief, so I want the token that uh, there's one called the crowbar that lets you succeed at 
picking the, the box automatically, but you take 10 hit points of damage. So if you fail and you really want that box open, you use your crowbar to open, and you can reuse it. It doesn't go away. Okay, that was my question. Some tokens do go away, a potion or a scroll or something. Even if you paid real money for it. Yeah, but those aren't, (laughs) don't cost that much. Okay. I mean, the ones that cost the money are the, and there's different rarities, just like magic cards. Mm -hmm. So That's kind of cool. Now, some people are super into True Dungeon. (laughs) They run every run. They run multiple times. There's even people who do what they call ghost which means they buy more than one ticket and they just go through by themselves. And they have like other tickets that they bought, but there's nobody playing that ticket. And they do it all by themselves? Yes. And sometimes they don't succeed. I was going to say, how would you succeed going through by yourself? But sometimes they've already run the adventure, so that helps. Sometimes they don't care because they just want to get through and get the tokens for all the tickets they bought. Now, we do have to mention a little bit on the price. Yeah, of these uh, of the past to get into True Dungeon. I think at Gen Con it's eighty. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking wow. it was around the fifty four fifty. When you did it, that's probably what. Oh it was. my god. Like gas was fifty cents a gallon, and uh, it yeah. is cheaper at other cons. <laughs> Holy smokes! And someone buys all ten tickets to run it themselves. Yeah, it's not always all ten. Sometimes it's just two or three. More money than wow. cents. <laughs> yes, some it is. It is fun. I mean, I won't oh, yeah. lie. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. For an immersive, like fantasy experience, I don't know of any equivalent out there mm-hmm. that that's as interactive and as challenging as True Dungeon. You know, there's some theme parks or some place out in Oklahoma or another uh, Utah or something that just opened up. I see their yeah, ad every once right. in a while, but that's not so much interactive. There's there's actors there and they're just you know yeah they're talking to you but i my impression is it's not as interactive as true dungeon it's got a very old school feel too with these puzzles and stuff oh i i fully admit that this would be you know enormous amounts of fun especially with good friends or gaming buddies and stuff like that so so like i said yeah if you haven't done it do it once Mm -hmm. you know gen con 80 dollars ain't that much truthfully I mean, that's fair. We were talking about my cosplay classes earlier in the episode. Yeah. I charge thirty-eight dollars for that, and and that that makes it worthwhile for me and for them. But, but you and in your thing, you get something. You have a takeaway on that too, though, and the experience. well, true dungeon, you get tokens. Oh yeah. Okay, so <laughs> I decided to go to Origins, and I am going to volunteer for True Dungeon, so that maybe I can go to Origins for free. There's two levels of volunteering. And you submit an application, and if you get picked, then they, they you know, put you, give you the, the goodies that they're going to give you. We'll talk about that. But Is there, like, an application form? Do you yeah, have, like, so a, you have a to, gamer resume? And, yeah. If you go to tdvols.com, that's where the application fills out. They want a headshot because they want to make sure we don't have <laughs> any, you know, people with three heads applying. Although they could be, if they had two, they could be an Etten, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, um, or no. you could be Zaphoid people perhaps. I can't relate enough that this is very similar to working on a theatrical production. It really is. And part of that is that one of the things you can apply for is as an NPC. Mm -hmm. So they have people who play non-player characters who interact with players or do something special. In my one, there was a guy who was a ghost behind a mirror, you know, and he would he would sort of motion for the players to do stuff, try to give them hints. A lot of those people come from an acting background. My, one of my roommates actually was uh, an actor, had a had an equity card, had had worked in nice. stage and theater. He was also a major in the army, which was interesting. 
I just got back from the D-Day celebration in France. Oh, oh wow. Very cool. Yeah. So I uh, came over to, to do the True Dungeon thing, and he had, his kid had done it with him one year, he said. So you get that aspect of it. So you can apply to be an NPC. Usually, obviously, it helps if you have some sort of theater experience. You can apply to be a coach, which are the people who instruct new people on how to play the game, get them set up, things like that. Or a dungeon master, and that's what I applied for. And basically, I'm just running a room. I'm, I spent my whole time in, in a single room, and people would come in, and I knew how to what the solution to my room was. And just like a regular dungeon master at the table, you want to make sure everybody's having a good time. If they get you know start to get frustrated, you want to sort of guide them a little bit. Most of the time, that's not necessary though, because it's set up. You know, like I said, in my room, I had this NPC that would also help the party. So my role was was sort of minimized. So as the GM, did you have uh, background information that came to you in advance or did you just kind of learn it right there on the fly? As well, you I had up? played True Dungeon a couple times, so mm-hmm. I knew sort of how it worked. It would be a little tougher if you've never done True Dungeon. I think maybe as you could do an NPC because that's pretty straightforward. But as a yeah. DM, I think you probably want to at least have run True Dungeon. Even then, there were tokens I didn't know a lot about. Uh, the, the higher tier DMs are the combat DMs. Because they need to be familiar with a lot more of the tokens that people might be pulling out. And you want, they only have 12 minutes, 12 minutes in each room. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to slow things down, just like a D&D game. You know, you don't want combat to get slogged down looking up rules. You want to be able to move quick. So, so the combat DMs tend to be the, the more experienced yeah. and people who are much more familiar with, with True Dungeon and the tokens. So you put in your application and you get one of those three roles. If you get accepted. Now, you can accept, you can volunteer either part-time or full-time. I did full-time. <laughs> it's a lot of work. <laughs> I won't lie. Um, How many hours did you actually, were you required to put in? Yeah, it was about 40. So is that I for got any volunteer? Any? That's for full-time. That's for full-time. So you're going to put in 40 hours in four days. Five days. Well, okay, Wednesday. Because oh, oh, I got their okay. Wednesday set up. Like I said, it's just like a theatrical production. I mean, the, the setup and the takedown. The takedown took us six hours, I guess. But And there's and let me just be clear. There was 118 volunteers at Origins. Wow. They have 300 volunteers at Gen Con. This is a huge production. Mm-hmm. So I guess they probably couldn't put it on without the volunteers. No. You no. couldn't hire that many people. And I did have people, several people, say, thank you for volunteering. Like, as they're leaving my room, thank you for volunteering. Because if they had to pay people to offer this, I don't think you could do it. No. I, I mean, if you were like paying it. everybody. Yeah. So I'm sort of a two minds about that, where it's a business for the organization that puts on True Dungeon. But they're sort of relying on people to contribute their time. Yeah. And that's that's walking a fine line. Yes. But if you're a gamer and you're passionate about the hobby, it makes me feel good for other people to be able to experience this. Which is, I, I agree 100%. I have volunteered to set up events at Gen Con and other things like that. And it is hard work. Um, is the reward as much as, is it worth it? Uh, in my experience, it wasn't, but then again, it was a totally different animal. Totally different animal. Um, so you did 40 hours worth of work. What type of, aside from the gratitude and the reward of, you know, the personal reward, what type of compensation were you given? All right, so if you do a full-time 
commitment. Uh, they also have some other things. If like if you're local to where they're holding the convention, you can put in just time at the beginning and the end, helping set up and and break down. But the big one, free hotel spot. So you sh- they give you one quarter of a hotel room. You nice. don't have to pay. That's sort of nice. You get a free badge for the convention. Also, also nice. sort of nice. You get tokens, a pack of tokens. Now, one of my other roommates was a game store owner, and he was in the business of buying and selling True Dungeon tokens. He had done that. And he asked me, what are you going to do with your tokens? Because I don't <laughs> play True Dungeon. I've done it, and I would do it if I had people who wanted to go through it. But generally, it's not something I, I schedule every Gen Con because I'm doing other stuff. So I said, you know, I'll, I'll probably just sell them. I don't really know. Well, between the time he asked me that and the time I got my tokens at the end of the adventure or at the end of the, the convention, convention, I realized if I don't get rid of these quickly, they're just going to sit on my shelf. And I'm not going to do anything with them. Mm-hmm. So I went at the end of when I was picking up my stuff. I picked up the tokens. I walked over to him and <laughs> handed them to him and said, give me whatever's fair. You have my address. Put it in my PayPal account. And I walked away. <laughs> and he's like, $120. I was like, fine. So You got $120 for how many tokens was that? Well, there was really like five that were valuable. They okay. also gave me a bunch of little ones. He goes, these aren't really worth that much. I go, I know. But um, in terms of number, you had, what, 10, 15? No, the, the pack was probably 30 or 50. Okay. Wow. But right. then the, the valuable ones that were separate were like, there was like okay. five. Because when you are a player, you will get... Um, you get like three or eight you get, or something. You get 10 total for eight Yeah, bucks. when you start. Yeah, yeah. yeah for, and it comes you with your one, starter ra- set. one random rare... Two random uncommon and seven yeah. random. And there's also an ultra rare, and you get uh, an ultra rare for volunteering. That's the one that's really worth a lot of money, apparently. Okay. And it varies depending what the token is. Um, but he could turn around and sell that one for 120 bucks. Maybe, I don't know. Probably more. It's probably worth 300 for all I know. You know, I, I, I wasn't going to quibble. Like I said, if I didn't give them to him, they would have sat on my shelf, and, and when my kids were cleaning out my gaming supplies when I'm dead. They'd, they'd go, what is this? Um, so I got rid of them. You know, I just, but you also get a stipend. So for a brand new DM, I got $100, which paid for my parking, which was sort of nice because I had five nights parking. Hmm. Now, different, other different roles can get a higher stipend and, and, you know, you can work your way up. It's never a ton of money, but like I said, you're sort of volunteering. Now for a part-time, you have fewer hours and you get a badge. Basically, you don't get the hotel room. You know, you get the, you still get the some tokens. You still get a little bit of a stipend. It's about half of what you get for full time. So you do get compensated for it. Yeah, be nice if you were local. That'd now, be good if you were yeah. local. Eric, maybe you're just not keying in on the right thing here because I'm looking on eBay for True Dungeon tokens. Yeah. And if you had one of those ultra rare things or something like that, you could have sold it. For upwards of $750. It depends no, on the token. Have, I understand that. Could have asked for $750. Yeah. Whether it's going to sell for that's totally different. Yes, no, right. some of these go for incredible amounts of mm-hmm. money. And the uh, True Dungeon uh, 2019 Greater Quicksilver Charm and Completion Tokens, 78 bucks for five of them. Yeah. So this is real money for mm-hmm. play material. Yeah, which people is, who are having and because you can play it on different difficulty yeah. levels too. There's normal, yeah. hardcore, nightmare, and there's even a non, non-lethal for people who are brand new. Huh. Uh, which if you die, you always come back with one hit point for the next room. Mm-hmm. Now, the rewards are greater, the harder the, well, the level. Yeah. Right. So, go down there, you know, say, I'm going to sign up for this. 
with all that time that I did as a full-time commitment, I really only had time to squeeze one game into... One true dungeon game or no, one no, game one game? one game game. I played a game of Silent Death. I'm thinking that uh, he probably did not want to hang out in the true dungeon area on <laughs> yeah. his time off. No, I could have, if I would have been totally hardcore... I could have squeezed in more. Like at the end, I could have been out till one or two a.m. But I wasn't that crazy. I was. I just. Want, I went basically to volunteer for True Dungeon and to check out Origins a little bit. How was your game? Um, well, it was Silent Death, which is a Starship Miniatures game, and the people I was with did not know me, and obviously they were not aware of the Corey maneuver. Have we <laughs> talked about the Corey maneuver? I don't believe so. Okay, so, so my friend in college, whose name was Corey. He developed what we called the Cory Maneuver, which was... For this specific game? No, no, no. For every game, there's a Cory Maneuver. And the Cory Maneuver is, I don't care if I lose, I just am going to take Eric out of the game so he doesn't win. (laughs) I have the same thing in my gaming group. It's just called the Dean Maneuver. No, we call it the Cory Maneuver because that was what... And everybody would leave him alone because everybody realized if you don't take Eric out, he's going to end up winning the game. So let Cory take Eric out and then we'll just play the game without him. Um, which hurt my feelings badly. But it always hurts. <laughs> but um, they were not familiar with the Cory Maneuver. So they said it was a four-hour game. And they said, okay, well, here's the thing. You start with a Tier 1 ship. If you do this much damage and make it off the board, you get a Tier 2 ship. Then you do this much damage, make it off the board, you get a Tier 3 ship. You do this much damage, make it off the board, you win. This was on Saturday night. I said, nobody has done it at this convention. I said, oh. An hour later, I was walking away with three minis because they were not good at tracking the victory conditions and they Uh, did not take me out. (laughs) hmm. Interesting. Eric, Eric, Eric. So, yeah. (laughs) So it was a good time, though. I I hadn't played Silent Death in 20 years. I'm glad. It came back pretty quick. I also had a couple beers in me by that time, so. Cool. cool. I'm also smoother. I'm glad that you have experienced that. I don't care if I win as long as he doesn't win thing. And that really... It really sucks when you get into a game and that's the attitude of the other players. Well, that's, I developed my Urktusk strategy for risk. (laughs) Um, If, if, you know, because of the Cory maneuver, it's difficult to win at risk because they just, so what you do is you pile all your armies on Urktusk, which is in the middle of Asia, and it's not really, there's no reason to go there. Right. And if you get enough armies, everybody just goes, it's not worth it. I'm not going, I'm not going to, I might not even be able Mm -hmm. to take him out because he's got all his armies. You just take that one province. It's also connected to like five or six other yeah, provinces. Yeah, it's hard to defend. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you just take your one province a turn. You don't expand. You just build every turn until you can cash and sweep into Australia and then fortify your border uh, you know, into Australia. So that's the Cory Maneuver forced me to redevelop my, my risk strategy. Yeah. So if you are thinking of volunteering for True Dungeon, what should you plan for? I mean, setup, is that going to be like, you know, basically... Get ready to do a lot of yeah. Heavy so lifting I was worried. You know, I'm I'm no spring chicken anymore. I'm I'm pretty healthy. You know, and I stay active. But I was like, is this going to be more than I want? And it is a little physical. But there's a lot of different jobs. Mm-hmm. So uh-huh. we're, there were some people who like I can't lift, and they're like, fine, go do this, and they were able to find stuff for them to do. There's more than enough to do. It's it's like setting up for a play. If anybody's ever volunteered for their kids' high school or anything mm-hmm. like that, it's very similar to that. But everything's breaks down. Each day they ran three dungeons at Origins. They run four at Gen Con. They set up the rooms with the walls. Sometimes they're uh, panel walls that have been vacuum formed, and sometimes they're cloth walls that look like cave walls. 
but there's a framework that has to go through the whole thing. Each room has walls, and then each room also has lighting and sound, individual specific to that room. Wow. So they must have professionals coming in for lighting and they sound. They have people who know yeah. their stuff. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, you don't volunteer for that yeah, kind you don't, of stuff. Yeah, you don't volunteer for the sound. <laughs> you know, they would probably, if you were good with a soundboard, because... Well, yes, of course, but you got to show some, you know, some skill yeah. with that. Each dungeon has seven rooms. Each room has its own soundboard. Wow. So, wow. you know, some sort of... I, I didn't look too close at it because that wasn't my job, but... You know, they got speakers. Some of them have uh, plates on the floor, step plates. So if you step on it, it activates a sound effect. Uh Now, I think I understand now why it's 80 bucks, because if I remember right, you say that most conventions will charge you not just a room rental, but also per outlet that you use, correct? Because they have a meter on each of those outlets. Well, they had the entire Hall D. That's how much space they take up. They take up an entire convention hall. I'm not surprised. Yeah, it's massive. Hmm. You know, when we were packing up, there were two semis pulled up to the right to the loading docks. Yeah, I'm betting True Dungeon probably has a deal with whoever, whatever convention they go to about your electrical situation because yeah, they must. But they're a draw I'm sure too. they pay some sort of flat. Fee. Oh yeah, the convention is definitely making money off of True Dungeon too, so it's a it's a win win situation for both. So yeah, did you do a lot of work? I'm I'm thinking of this as a potential volunteer, not that I'm going to, but as someone who wants to come in. Is it all hands on deck Wednesday morning if you are doing full time? It depends on your how you volunteer, full-time, part-time. Generally, they need more people during setup and breakdown, Mm -hmm. so they're always looking for people there. If you're a DM, though, and you're part-time, you're essentially covering gaps, that sort of thing, or running uh, like a half day instead of a whole day kind of thing. So it really depends Mm -hmm. on, on what commitment. But, yeah, there's always a ton of people around. There's no point at which... You look around and you're like, where is everybody? It's, it's it's a major deal. You do have different start times. So because I was room four, the person in room one needed to be there 30 minutes ahead of me, 36 minutes ahead of me, because the first group would enter his room 36 minutes before they finally got to room four. Conversely, I would need to stay 36 minutes later because the last group would exit my room 36 minutes after they exit room one. So, so your times do vary. You, they do. They build breaks into the schedule, so you get a chance to go to the bathroom or get something to drink or whatever you want to do. Boy, the person organizing that logistical nightmare. Yeah. Must so that's have been a that's immediately one of the things that I was expecting True Dungeon to be like a bunch of people who are really into this stuff that just sort of got together and throw it on. It's a full blown professionally run organization slash business. Mm-hmm. The, the well, there's planning, no doubt in that. Especially because they do multiple ones every year. You yeah. know, there's, they're constantly planning for the convention six months away. And when you sign up, I could go to the website. I saw my schedule. I saw the schedule for when the groups were coming through. They have a layout, the map that's a blueprint, an actual blueprint like an architect would draw of how it's supposed to be laid out. So when you're setting it up, people are referring to this blueprint. It's... It's full blown. Hmm. I mean, it's a it's any wiggle room on the part of the volunteers to say, well, I really am not a morning person or for whatever. reason. They outline what your responsibilities are going to be on the website. So okay. if I don't think you could yeah, claim you know what you're getting into a morning person. Yeah. So yeah. if you're volunteering, you're just accepting the fact that you may be waking up early or staying up late. Yeah. But like I said, they will make allowance. If you're something like I can't do heavy lifting, I'm mm-hmm. sure they would work with you on that. Yeah. OK, so you did your 40 hours. 
what did you see of Je- uh, of Origins? I mean, you did most of your time was probably spent in the True Dungeon area. Did you see anything of Origins? Yeah, I got to see Origins is a weird convention because there's three main halls. Hall there's A, B, and C. We were in D. B is your exhibit hall. I mm. went in there and I spent a lot of money, including a new Conan T-shirt, <laughs> um, and. That's open your normal exhibit hall times. Yeah. A and C are sort of quasi-exhibit halls. They have organizations who run games, like my Silent Death game I played, I think, in Hall A, and it cost me two generic tokens, which just like Gen Con are $2 Mm -hmm. each. But it wasn't really a business. It was a gaming club that brought this stuff and offered. And those are open late at night. Nice. And some of them are like Catalyst was running Battletech, and you could play Battletech at 10 o'clock at night. Hmm. Unlike Gen Con, where once the exhibit hall closes, you're done. You're not playing any games for vendors for free. They kept those other halls open past the exhibit hall time for people to play their games. So it was a combination of... I like that a that's lot. That's cool, they, Yeah, it was a good setup, and they had a much larger play area. You weren't you weren't blocking traffic. <laughs> yeah. You, you could have those people just dedicated to playing, have multiple tables. You had a little more space. It's really a, a good setup. I, so I appreciated that part. I do believe that some uh, vendors and some companies at Gen Con do like have like reserved rooms outside of the convention hall for that. But that's a really awesome idea. I would love to see uh, that become. Yeah, more we need thing. to we need to get a group to go to Origins next year. Because, that would be cool. Because it's it's a fun convention. It's a little different than Gen Con, but mm-hmm. it's not worse. It's probably, maybe not better. I don't know. Um, just it is different. just different. It's just different. It's it's an experience. They also had a pizza place with New York-style pizza, uh, which I appreciated being from the East Coast. I, I, I asked you this off mic, what a New York-style pizza is, and I'm still not convinced that it's, it's any different than what is. we have. It's a thin crust. Uh, you know, it's that wedge shape that you can fold. Generally, it tends to be a little greasy on top. Okay. Uh, you come to the Midwest, and the pizza here, for one thing, deep dish pizza, not a pizza. Totally pizza. It's yeah. a oh, friggin' yeah. casserole, okay? That's what it is. It's not a pizza. <laughs> That's a casserole, okay? And then the times you do have thin crust pizza, they always got to do something special. Well, we're not going to do it in wedges. We're going to do it in cubes. Like, I don't want a pizza cube, okay, or a square or whatever. And no, sorry. He's an elitist. Not that. I will send him back to the East I Coast, man. Piece. Stay here for real Growing pizza. up. Everything sounds like a pizza. Growing it up, it's just hand like tossed. You see the guy tossing the, the they stuff They do that at Domino's. Yeah, Domino's is close, but not not that closer than most. It sounds like Casey's Pizza. Is what it's what it does sound yeah. like. It sounds like yeah, Casey's Flat and greasy. Pref- preferably <laughs> made by somebody with an Italian-sounding last name. Okay, that's all yeah. I'm saying. Don't want to be racist, but... I think one of my Casey's has a guy named Vince. That's close. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Was it Vince or Vinny? Vinny, yeah. Because it would be Vinny. Uh, Yo. So you're saying that uh, True Dungeon is a pretty cool way to uh, uh, experience a game convention, but you're going to work for it. So for me, Mm -hmm. you know, I used 24 hours of vacation time to go to True Dungeon. And I actually had worked because I took Wednesday, Thursday, Friday off. And I had actually earned those hours working credit. And I could have worked overtime those 24 hours and not gone. So I basically paid like (laughs) $1,000 to to work for True Dungeon. Nice. Yeah. if you're in a position where you can just go to the convention, mm-hmm. like like most of us do for most normal conventions, people. like normal people, 
I'm probably going to do that. The reason people are going to volunteer for True Dungeon in my in my because they love the whole True Dungeon. One, stuff. they they like True Dungeon. They want to contribute back to the convention. Right. Okay, that's sort of the reason I I was going. Two, they want the tokens. A lot of the volunteers were True Dungeon mm-hmm. diehards, and the only way you're getting that token is to volunteer or to buy it off of eBay for $750. So they're probably going to Origins, volunteering at Origins or any of the other ones, and then using those tokens at the next game convention. Some of the volunteers would do a True Dungeon run at the end of the convention. Ah. So they would set it up so that they could either at the beginning or whatever, they could get a run in, and they still had to pay for that run. Yeah. Yeah. Do they have an organization or some type of community kind of like organized play, you know, Adventures League or anything like that with True Dungeon? There's there's a bunch of websites for token stuff, for like token exchanges and forums But I mean, in terms of stuff. like, you know, the characters playing together, like, uh, you know, like how so. we do D&D. Yeah, I don't stuff. think so. Hmm. I, there's probably groups, I know there's groups that always do True Dungeon with the same group of people. They'll travel to conventions, they got their right. group that they go through. Sometimes it's not 10 and they'll pick up you know, solo or stragglers to to fill them out. Yeah, a friend of mine's Um, big into True Dungeon. The other group I could see True Dungeon volunteering, if I would have known about this when I was in college, man, that would have been perfect. Like, (laughs) I didn't have any money to go to conventions in college. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't start going to Gen Con until after I was, I you know, after graduate school because I was always dirt poor because I was paying for for college. Conventions are not cheap. If you pack a cooler, you can basically go to a convention practically for free. If you can get there... And you're eating that yeah. your food out of a cooler. You're not paying for much. Maybe parking if you drove. Mm-hmm. Uh, park, but, at the, park at the Target across the highway and <laughs> Uber your way over. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, another group. If you want to go to conventions and you don't have a lot of disposable income to go to conventions, you know, going and playing three or four games, squeezing them in is probably better not going at all. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But you've got to be careful. Um, like in my experience, some volunteering gigs can be... A true nightmare and maybe not worth the actual benefit of getting that free badge. Yeah, I don't think you have to worry about that with True Dungeon. They're a big enough outfit, have a long enough history Mm -hmm. that they know what they're doing. They make it abundantly clear what your responsibilities are going to be, what you're going to get for your for your efforts. The people there are very professional, the the people who are running it. You know, it's sometimes I agree with Dean. You get these smaller outfits that, you know, you get some Yahoo. Don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing and, and things get crazy. But this is this is run like a professional organization and, and it shows. Yeah. So so your expectation versus reality was pretty in line. Yeah. They I the thing that surprised me most was how professional it was. I was expecting oh. it to be a little more, you know, more I don't know, not fly dink. by night, but yeah, yeah. it's like, oh, we're going to get this, but well, whatever. They have such a long history now. I don't know how long they've been doing it. Dean, I think you did uh, it. And, oh, I was going to say it was 2007 or 8 when I yeah. got uh, a little bit of behind the scenes and a walkthrough, a, kind of a play test. Yeah. So it, they've been around. They know how everything's working. Uh, they do, they have mentioned that they need. Always need volunteers. Mm-hmm. I mean, when it takes 300 people to put on something, yeah. you're always going to be scrambling for volunteers. So uh, I'm going to actually get my, my stepdaughter, Trinity. She's a theater major. And I'm next time I talk with her, I haven't had a chance to, to touch base with her. I want to say, hey, why don't you put in a part-time volunteer application for one of these conventions and check it out? I can see out. how something like that could translate well if you're wanting to get into like working at someplace, let's say— 
Disney World or Hogwarts or something just, like that. Just yeah. theater experience. You know, as well, that's a, what I'm saying. You yeah. get that that live action theater experience. You know, if you do community theater, you're now booked in for two or three months, right, doing a production. If you do True mm-hmm. Dungeon, it's four days. Mm-hmm. And you're done. Yeah. You, you go in, you do your part, you have your hair, makeup, well, whatever. Yeah. And, and it's a, it's a slightly free. different experience, too, because you're interacting with, you know, you don't interact with the audience in a theater in general. Right. But in this kind of thing, yeah, yeah, it's a more interactive theater experience. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, it seemed like most of the volunteers, if not all, were having a good time. Yeah. Nobody seemed like, oh, my God, I don't want to be here. They all wanted to be there and have nice. a good time, nice. which is nice. You know, that's the environment you want to be working in. Uh, how was your room and how were your roommates? So that's that was the only thing. So my roommates were fine. They, I had the one guy who was a game shop owner, uh, another guy who was a major in the army, and a younger kid who had a ton of true dungeon experience and was sort of a numbers kid. Uh-huh. Um, well, I say kid; he was in his twenties probably. <laughs> but uh, and he was a I'm guilty of that. He was a combat DM, and they would put him on all the like really hard ones that the people they had these premiere runs. I forget what they called them. Uh, but people had paid a lot of money to do these special ones, and these the players had a ton of experience. So you don't want to make mistakes because they uh-huh. knew the rules inside and out for for how certain effects happen. So he handled those because he was really good at that. Everybody's sleeping in two beds. That was a little weird, but uh, <laughs> that would be a little. And they weren't queen size beds; they were uh, double doubles. Yeah. Um, so you know, got to be got to be chummy chummy with your roommates, but that wasn't really an issue. Yeah, I mean. I'm the one who snores, so I don't have to worry about snores, except for Greg. I don't snore nearly as much as Greg. I am a professional. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So bring earplugs. Yeah. But otherwise, people aren't spending a lot of time in their room, honestly. Hey, if you're going to a game convention, what in the world are you spending time in your room for in the first place? Yeah, no, totally. You should be in there for three things only. And it was a good location. I mean, we were attached to the convention center. They're not putting you out by the airport. You know, it was... It was centrally located which is where you want to be if you're going to a convention you can drop crap right. off in your room if you need to that's cool all right well it sounds like you had a good time volunteering for true dungeon and uh i think uh, i don't think i'm ever going to volunteer for it but i do really want to try it sometime i'm actually gonna, going to send them an email because now i don't like giving up all my convention time because i'm in a state of my life where i can afford to just pay for a convention and have the time to myself <laughs> mm-hmm. and do what i want to do but they also build that stuff uh they're based yeah. out of carbondale illinois and i think i want to try to get involved with that aspect of it because that happens on off weekends right they, yeah. you, you go down there because i'd be interested in helping build some of that stuff because to me I'm, I'm sort of a builder i'm a maker i, I like yeah. to see that aspect of it and I don't even know if you get compensated for that or not. I just think it's cool that all the different special effects, electronics, all, how they incorporate all this stuff into the experience. So I think I'm actually going to pursue that, and, and maybe we'll do another podcast next year. Sounds cool. Very cool. All right. Well, that is a well. That's a short one for us. So, Greg, I think uh, wrap it up quickly. Alrighty. If you want to uh, find out, hold on a second, there, dear listeners. When Eric was talking about the sleep accommodations there at Origins we kind of came up with an idea where you can combine your gaming and sleeping all at the same time. Check this idea out. Did you see this email? We lost our hotel room for the convention. I looked online and all the rooms are booked. Don't worry, don't worry, I have a plan. Just be sure to sign up for all the events from the list I gave you. 
That was a great first day. We played so many games. I'm worn out, but you had me sign up for this last event. A LARP? Since when do we do LARPs? For $50? I can't believe you had me spend $50 on a LARP. Hey, don't worry. You'll like it. Just grab your overnight bag and let's head over. Welcome to Zion. Tickets, please. Are you ready to enter the Matrix? It's pretty dark in here. And why did you insist I brush my teeth before we started this LARP? Dude, you need to trust Morpheus. This LARP is totally worth it. I have us signed up for a session every night. What? Why would we replay the same LARP three times? That's $150. And we still don't have a place to stay. I'm regretting letting you plan this trip. Would you like the blue pill or the red pill? I'll take the red pill. Dude, that's a Benadryl. And the blue pill looks like NyQuil. Here are your head jacks. You are assigned to couches 87 and 88. Good luck in the Matrix. Let's go. Oh, I'm bushed. Time to jack in. The Matrix LARP is awesome. Where else can you find a place to sleep at a gaming convention for 50 bucks a night? See you in the morning.